0: Hey Sanctus Church, good morning. So glad that you're joining us either live right now today or you're watching later on demand. No matter who you are, uh, where you come from, no matter your spiritual journey or background, you're most welcome at Sanctus Church. Uh, If you go to Sanctus Church, I think most of you know I moved right in the middle of the pandemic in late November to a little town called Port Hope. And of course, That's here in Canada, that's winter. And so we moved to this beautiful old home and it has just under half an acre. And as I moved in, though the home is beautiful and old and historic and it's got all this charming detail, it's surrounded by old English gardens. And as I looked at this just under half acre, all I saw was dead and brown and and old and winter. Every few days I'd look through the windows December, January, February, going, I wonder what's under all that. I wonder if the gardens are okay. Well, two weeks ago, as we sort of entered into spring-ish, I decided to actually go out into the garden and begin to look. Now, our house is 175 years old, and as I started going through the gardens, I don't think these gardens have been touched for 170 years. Like, for real, it's bad. And so, I started working on Friday, that's my day off, and I just started raking and cutting and got cuts all over my hands and just did it. On Saturday, my wife got involved and we were doing it together. And then, of course, we believe in child labor because we believe in chores for children. We got them. We're like, get off your Switch, get off your iPad, no more roadblocks. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And out we went to the gardens. And we were working as a family and there was meltdowns and dogs were running around. And after 4,950 brown bags were filled, I swear I was finding leaves that had never decayed and had not been touched since 1870. I looked around All this work we had done, and I said to myself, and then a little bit out loud, we have accomplished nothing. Everything still looks dead. Everything is broken. Everything is just, it's awful. I feel like nothing's happened. It's like no life. I don't know if it was worth it. Well, it was the following day. It was Sunday. I was preparing actually to come here to the Ajax site where I'm speaking right now. And as I walked outside by the gardens, suddenly, all through the garden, I saw little bits of life. There were daffodils starting to come up, and there was crocuses, and, and, and other little bits of green were coming up, and I was like, oh my goodness, there's, there's life here. There's so much life under the surface, and, and I couldn't see it before, and there was all this dead over top, but when it got removed and had a little bit time to breathe, life got exposed. Now, that actually is the picture I want all of us to hold on to in this moment. When I looked at my gardens, they were mixed. 85%, 90% of the garden still looked dead, still was overgrown, still needed to be cut back, still was basically brown and blah. But among all of that, there were little bits of life. Again, so much more life was growing underneath the surface and now just starting to peek through. That is what's been taking place in our church and other churches over the last 60 plus weeks. Again, I know it's been difficult. I know we're frustrated. Actually, as I'm recording this, I think we're in another lockdown. This is lockdown three. And yet, in the last year, we've been able to establish this very experience. Going online, we've been able to establish a global, global fr- footprint. We now are a church that will have two real front doors, one virtual, one physical. We've taken Alpha online and the marriage course online and we've loved each other and we've prayed for each other and we've launched new connect groups and people have, becoming, have been becoming Christians. See, even during this winter-like, broken, no-life experience, all these little bits of life are starting to pop up But really, the real story is all the incredible work, roots that are being established underneath that soon are gonna spring up, no pun intended, and turn into a vivacious summer. Now, let me just stop and say this again. During this COVID moment, our church hasn't got smaller. Our church hasn't decreased. Actually, it's increased. And not only that, people have been been becoming Christians. People have been accepting Jesus during this moment, and why are we shocked by that? Now, usually, in any season, including this one, there's sort of two groups that become Christians. One you could call household faith, and the other is first-generation faith. Household faith, we, we talked about this, actually, at the beginning of this ministry year in the story of Timothy. Remember, Paul was writing 2 Timothy, and, and he was talking about Timothy's own experience, and in 2 Timothy 1:5, Paul said to Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, which first lived in your mom, your grandmother, Lo, uh, Lois, and then your mother, Eunice, and now I'm persuaded also lives in you. In other words, uh, grandma and mom passed on the faith to Timothy as a child and he became a follower of Jesus and then later, because of God's calling, he became a pastor. But here's the point. Faith was being passed on by mums and dads and aunts and uncles and grandparents and siblings. And interestingly, during these lockdown moments, I've heard so many stories of parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles sharing the faith with the younger generation among us and them saying yes. But then of course there are always first generation Christians Those that are moving from trusting in other spiritual authorities or leaders. Those moving from other religions, from agnosticism or atheism or or just being spiritual or being Christian in name only and now declaring Jesus Christ lived, died, rose again and trusting in him to be their personal savior, leader and Lord. And so today, even in the lockdown, even in all this, we get to see some of that new life poking through the dark moment. Today, we get to celebrate new spiritual life. We're gonna actually witness five more people get baptized, some young, some older, but all of them declaring that Jesus Christ is Savior, leader, and Lord. And we're gonna cheer them on together as a whole church. But before we get to their stories, which by the way are amazing and exciting, and I want you as you see the young children to remember household faith, and I want you as you see the older people, first generation faith, just keep that together. But before I get there, there's another group I need to talk about. There are some baptisms taking place in our church we can't show you. You're like, what? Yeah, we, we, can't, we can't show you. There is a, a group of people who we cannot film and they come from a country that I actually can't mention online and they've immigrated here to Canada. But actually, if we mentioned them or showed them, their life might be threatened. See, there's a group of people who have met the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're leaving Islam. They're renouncing that faith and becoming followers of Jesus Christ. And and we we have the privilege of baptizing them too, working with another pastor. But we can't show you that. But I want you to have that in the back of your mind too. Why? Because God is sovereign. And in this moment, there is new life sprouting up everywhere. Now, I know some of you might be joining us because... You checked out Easter last week and you're watching and some of you, we've had so many people sign up for Elf Online and maybe you're joining us. Others of you have been Christians for a long time, but every time we do a baptism, we we need to remind each other for the first time or all over again, what actually is baptism? 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, His last words to the church are found in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That reads all ethnic groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, the word baptism in Greek means to plunge, to dip, to immerse, to pass under or emerge from. And the pattern in the New Testament is what we call full immersion. We see this in one person's story. He was an Ethiopian leader who worked for a, a queen named Candace. And, and he was a God-fear. is, he followed the Jewish faith, sort of. And then he encountered Jesus. And it reads in Acts 36, as they were traveling along the road, they came to some water. And the man, the eunuch, said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders for the, to stop the chariot. And Philip and this man, this eunuch, went down in the water and Philip baptized him. And they came up out of the water. Up out of the water. So they were, he was fully immersed. Now, okay, what does baptism mean? Christian baptism is a way of demonstrating your faith in Jesus Christ. It demonstrates a new identification with Jesus as Savior, leader, and Lord in a personal way. The symbol of water baptism is is profound, it's multifaceted, it's beautiful. When a person's immersed in water, the action is expressing death to what you to trust in death, to an old way of life, and resurrection into a new way of life because of Jesus. If you read the book of Acts, which is the history book of the first 30 years of the church, over and over and over and over and over again, people were becoming Christians and Jews and Greeks and, and Romans and slave and free and poor and rich all responded to the gospel. And if you watch closely, they all do it in the same way. The very first thing they did is repent of sin. They, they were sorrowful. When they confessed, you know what confession means? You agree with God, what he calls sin is sin. They, they confessed sin and they repented. They turned from it. And they said, okay, I'm gonna live a different way compared to the way I used to. And then the second thing was there was belief, specifically trust in a personal way in the person of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins based on his death and resurrection around the cross. The belief is rooted in Jesus. And the early church was very clear, and Jesus was very clear, there is no other way to be saved. There's no other way to get relationship with God except through Jesus because he's the only one that has the power to do the work that's needed. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to God, the Father, except through me. There's only one door. One of the earliest Christian sermons is preached by a guy named Peter, and he said in Acts 4, 12, salvation is found in nobody else. There is no other name under heaven given to humanity by which we must be saved. So you had repentance, you had belief, and then you had baptism with water. Now, the very first Christian sermon ever preached is found in Acts 2. Peter also preached this one. At the end of that very first sermon, it says in verse 37, When the people heard the sermon, they were cut to their hearts and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do. Oh, Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love this. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, meaning non-Jewish people for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned and pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. So watch the progress. After they believed, after they repented, after they said yes to Jesus and agreed with who he was, what he claimed and what he did, then they were baptized. Baptism is the outward evidence or symbol of the inward work that's already happened. That's why it's a picture. Being baptized is the symbol of being washed clean by God through the work of Jesus. It's also a public way of identifying and confessing your personal belief on what we celebrated last week in Easter, that Jesus literally lived, literally physically died, and literally physically came back from the dead. Here's how Paul put it in Romans 6.1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death in order just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too live a new life. Here it is. For if we have been united with Jesus in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Baptism reminds us sin no longer owns us. And since Jesus has risen from the dead, we have the power to say no to sin. Every non-Christian on earth does not have gas in the car to say no to sin. You need someone inside of you to give you that power. But it is publicly and personally declaring that you actually believe Jesus died and rose again, and your hope is, because you've put your trust in Jesus, when you die, and we're all gonna die, when Jesus returns, just like he came back from the dead, we're gonna come back from the dead, and we're gonna be physically raised, not just spiritually, and be restored fully. I've said this for years, let me do it again. Baptism is like a wedding ring. This is my wedding ring. This doesn't make me married. But this is the outward physical symbol I'm off the market. This is the outward physical symbol that I am actually committed to someone else named Joanna. Baptism is the same thing. By the way, let me be clear with what baptism doesn't do. Uh, Going through the ritual of baptism doesn't make you a Christian. Only someone who puts faith in Jesus Christ is a Christian. Remember, salvation's a gift. I love when Paul wrote this so long ago in Ephesians 2.8. It is by grace... That's undeserved mercy, that you have been saved, justified, in legal right standing relationally with God, through faith, informed trust, and this is never from yourself. It's always a gift of God, not by works, by what you do, so no one gets to brag or boast. So baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is a declaration you're already saved. Nor does the ritual of baptism suddenly, you don't get suddenly zapped in the tank by the Holy Spirit and suddenly, oh my goodness, you're a super Christian. No, no, no. This is just a small step in obedience. Um, Being a follower of Jesus is like climbing a mountain. It's slow and steady over a lifetime. Spiritual maturity gradually develops over time. Now, let me answer a few quick questions. Some of you that are watching have Christian heritage or history. You're like, well, I didn't get baptized as a a child or as a teenager or as an adult knowing I was a Christian. I was a baby and I got sprinkled. Does that count? Well, let me explain what that means. In certain church traditions, Roman Catholic, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Anglican, they teach that a parent or parents can baptize their infant. And the idea is that the mom and dad or mom or dad are genuine followers of Jesus. They are all in. It's not ethnic, history only. It's not just generational. No, they're followers. And their faith is covering the child for a period of time. And then years later, usually I think around 13, they do this thing called confirmation. And what happens is that young teenager chooses to confirm, to say yes to what was placed over them. Now, here's why this matters. If mom or dad weren't Christians and the ritual is done, it doesn't count because there's no faith covering. Problem one. Problem two, if you never went through confirmation, you've never publicly affirmed the thing that was done over you. And so, by the way, if you were sprinkled as a baby and your mom and dad weren't Christians or you never went through confirmation, actually, you are commanded into baptism because that process, which I would say isn't wrong. It's not the... I would say, the most ideal biblical understanding, but you never really did it fully. And so you're actually called into this process. If you did both of those things and it was genuine, though we would say it's probably not the most ideal biblical model, is it real? Yes, of course. Other people are like, well, John, I was never dunked or fully dipped. I was just sprinkled even as an adult. Does it count? Yes, of course. I think immersion was used in the New Testament because it came out of Judaism, they did that also, and it encompasses all the pictures. But of course, if you've been sprinkled and you were genuine, yes, of course. One of the things I always have to address when I do this little talk is, some of you have not been baptized and you're followers of Jesus. You give, you go to Connect Group, you read your Bible, you, you do devotions, but you've never been baptized. Listen, Jesus asks you to do this and he's the love of your life, right? And so if you love him, you'll, you'll obey him. And much of the time, the reason why people don't get baptized is pride because you're embarrassed because you didn't, you didn't think you're ready or, or someone told you to do it and you're like, well, don't tell me what to. Listen, don't let fear or pride stop you from obeying Jesus. And, and by the way, I, I mean, we, we can't baptize you at this moment, but I just wanna, I wanna say to you, that while I'm speaking right now, the online host can help you do this. Just say, I need to get baptized and we will help you get baptized as soon as possible. Literally in the chat or email us or reach out through Instagram and say, actually, I'm one of those Christians and I need to obey. One of the biggest things I have to undo every time is people say, my my story isn't powerful enough. Some of you are going, oh my goodness. You're saying some people who are Muslims are actually becoming followers of Jesus and their life is at risk. I, I don't have a powerful story like that. No, no. Every single conversion story to Jesus is powerful. Every single one of our stories, no matter our background, is again like that daffodil breaking through that broken ground and new life is coming. Because remember, baptism really isn't celebrating my story or your story. It's celebrating his story, the work of Jesus Christ. Now I know lots of you watching online, listening to a podcast later, you know, you've been baptized and actually, every time I do this, you're like, oh, John, you're doing the same thing again. Yeah. But actually, what do we need to do at this moment? When I'm watching someone else being baptized, what is my responsibility? Well, I always encourage our church to renew their wedding vows. To literally say, as I'm watching someone else baptized, you say again, I declare Jesus as Savior, leader, and Lord. You, you actually get to say to Jesus again, Jesus, you own everything. You own my thinking and my family and my job and my influence and my money and my sexuality and my relationships and my dreams. Your Lord, they're yours. And also, it'd be really good to confess that you believe in the real death and real resurrection of Jesus. Actually, why don't we do this right now? If you're a Christian, wherever you're listening, would you just bow your head and let's do this? As we're about to witness more new life, and actually not be able to say uh, see other new life, but we know it's happened. We just want to say, again, we want to renew our wedding vows. Right across Sanctus Church, we as Christians say, Jesus, you are Savior. Thank you. You're our leader. Yes. You're our Lord. Yes. We surrender all we own, all we do, all we have. And we say, you have the final say on us. And we do confess as a church right now, we really believe Jesus lived. And we really believe Jesus died. And we really believe you, resi- you physically rose again. And we're so thankful for that hope. And right now as a whole church, we also pray for those who are gonna see and not see or are gonna be baptized. We pray they'd walk with Jesus the rest of their lives, that they'd be full of life and hope and they'd point the next generation to Jesus. And we all said as our church together, yeah, amen. And so no matter where you're watching from today, whether you're listening in a car or this is a podcast years later, or actually you're sitting in a living room or in a kitchen, when someone gets baptized, You need to say amen. You need to clap and cheer. And you need to say, yes, this this is God working even in this difficult time. So I invite you to join me and many others as we watch now new life that God has been doing even in the worst of times. Let's celebrate God's work together.
1: Well, welcome Sanctus Church and those tuning in online. My name is Pastor Casey. Wherever you are today, today is a special Sunday. We get to watch some baptisms. And so if you've been here for a while or you're just tuning in for the first time, this is how we do it. For each baptism, we stand and we cheer. And with that standing ovation, you get to be part of each person's journey today. And so get ready, let's watch some baptisms. Well, let's welcome Elijah to the tank. Elijah's here with his family. And Elijah is so excited to share his story.
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Elijah when Emmanuel. When I was one and two years old, I knew Jesus. When I sh- started to to um when I got older? I, when I when I got when I got older I started to follow him and know him more deeply. When what does it when they say when when, yeah. when I was reading the Bible with my parents I learned Jesus died for my sin. Well, I learned not ever believe it. Not there, but have you done my job? I ask Jesus to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Come, my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Jesus helps me to follow Him and Him and what the- instead. Instead of the enemy, I love Jesus, following Jesus because it is right and true. Yeah. Oh. I uh, I encourage other kids to <laughs> let them into or the <laughs> kids to let them into heart him. I mean him into their heart and. Heart and get baptized too. I would like to thank Papa, Mama, Pastor Holly, and Pastor Anne for teaching me about Jesus. I am so excited to get baptized. I love Jesus. Jesus. And he is the most, 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 most important person in, in mind your life. He is the king. He is the king of kings. Woohoo!
3: Awesome job. So Elijah, I need you to stand your face this way. You're going to put your arms like this. Like this. Please. Look at me. you to put your arms like this. No, I'm supposed to Well, you can put your arms. Yeah. Okay. Elijah, is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Yes. And is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. And do you renounce the work of the world, the flesh, and the enemy? Yes. Upon your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
1: Woo! Hey, well, let's celebrate with Elijah and his family. What a beautiful moment. What a beautiful story. Well, let's welcome Krolos to the tank. Today, he'd love to share his story with us.
4: Good, sorry. Good evening. My name is uh, Krolos Piquel, and this is my story. My life before Christ um, was taking things in my own hands, and I kept falling over and over again, expecting different results. But isn't that the definition of insanity? Um, I was not really close to God. I only really just talked to him when I needed help. And I kept struggling with the constant cycle of feeling uh, worthlessness and like undeserving. So I met Jesus in the most unexpected way. Uh, I came to know Jesus through actually my girlfriend, uh, Jay. And she's here with us today. Um, that's where I was introduced to reading daily devotions, um, where I can literally see Jesus speaking to me the the power of doing devotions every morning uh with jay and seeing how god answers prayers is just beautiful so there's a quote that i admire a lot is that there's beauty in the struggle is one that stands out to me because that it's there i can see how god how close god is to us just as he is now so i'm learning to put continual dependence on him uh, as he takes care of the rest switching my thinking of why me to what is God trying to teach me has started to change my view of this world. After walking through many trials, um, I can clearly see that God was right there with me, holding my hand and building my character. So I just wanted to thank Jay for helping me and being there for me on my journey. Uh, Jay, you are truly a blessing and every person who meets you can witness Jesus through you. And I just wanted to thank everyone who came out today to support me, so thank you. And I'm excited to publicly share and declare my faith in Jesus, my Savior and Lord. All right, Carlos, go with this. Just have a few
1: questions. Yes. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Yes. Is it your intention to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Do you renounce the work of the world, the flesh, and the enemy? Yes. So upon that profession of faith, and I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Son. No Alright. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, let me help you out. So let's, let's welcome Jayla to the tank. Jayla would like me to read her story. My name is Jayla Bittersing, I am 19 years old. Growing up, I was blessed to be raised in a Christian household with a mom who would consistently encourage me to pursue my own relationship with the Lord. However, though I knew of God, I never had a concrete understanding of the Gospel. Thus, the doctrine I held was one based on good works, where my salvation was never fully secured. Yet if you asked me back then what my faith was, I still would have classified myself as a Christian. Although at that point in my life, Christianity was more of a title than a life commitment or a relationship with God. As life went on, I would only think of God when I would say a quick, repetitive prayer before bed, and that would be it. Eventually, as I got older, life got harder. My heart was also so heavy, and there was this void. Deep down, I knew something was missing, so I ventured out, trying to find it in my accomplishments, in being my best version, and in the world but I could not find it. One day the weight of my sins got too much to bear. Remembering Jesus, I cried out to the Lord, pouring out my heart. I repented for my sins, asking Him to help me and to come into my life. Instantly, I felt this overwhelming love and peace take over me. It was finally enough to fill this void I carried my entire life. Within God's grace, I found my identity and all that I was once searching for, to this day, He is still transforming me. Glory goes to God. That's why I'm here today to confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior and proclaim my love for Him.
3: Well, thank you for sharing your story with us. It was beautiful. I just have a few questions for you, okay? okay? Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Yes. And is it your desire to follow Him all the days of your life? Yes. And do you renounce the work of the world, the flesh, and the enemy? Yes.
4: Awesome.
3: So upon that profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Woohoo!
1: <laughs> hey, stand to your feet, celebrate from home. Let's welcome Jessica to the tank. Jessica is here with her family. She would like to share her story.
3: Um, I've been anticipating this day since I saw my first baptism here at Sanctus Church. I've always felt something was missing in my life and once I started coming here, I started to feel more at peace and found myself connecting more with God. I noticed that I had started bringing Him into my everyday life of being a wife, a mom, a daughter, a sister, and a best friend. Welcoming Him into my heart not only taught me more about Him, but about myself and I owe my life to God for bringing me such blessings like my two children, Jaden and Joshua, and my husband, John. John opened my eyes to a relationship with God and has been there to help and guide me on this journey. I look back at my life and realize that God has been waiting for me my whole life, and He's been waiting for me, and now I'm here. I'm here accepting Him into my life and into my heart, and I can't wait to see all the blessings that He has in store for me. Well Jessica, I just have a few questions for you, okay? So is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Yes. And is it your desire to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. And do you renounce the work of the world, the flesh, and the enemy? Yes. Great. Find your profession of faith. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah, let's celebrate with Jessica and her family.